Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. Parental rights versus child protective services. What recourse do families have when the government takes away your kids? We interview Connie Reguli, family attorney, right now. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. But today we have a celebrity guest interview with a legal expert. Live via Skype from Brentwood, Tennessee is Connie Reguli. Connie, welcome to the program. Oh, uh, good morning, and thank you for letting me uh, come on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, I am honored to have you. Uh, you are a family law attorney, and you've been practicing there for decades, and you started out as a prosecutor taking children away from abusive situations. But now you're on the other side. Now you are protecting children and, and parental rights when children are frivolously taken away by the government. Uh, can you introduce yourself and give us your resume? Yeah, sure, of course I can. Well, uh, I'm Connie Regulay. I'm here in Middle Tennessee, and I really practice throughout Middle Tennessee. I go as far as Knoxville if I need to, or Chattanooga and Memphis, but primarily within the middle of this state. I started, um, I went back, I was a, a late law student. I had a life prior to law, and my family was in business for many years, and I went to law school, and when I got out of law school, I was a prosecutor in Davidson County, which is a very large Nashville metropolitan area, and I was there uh, prosecuting domestic violence and child abuse and that's a, an important part of my whole uh, history because I do really understand what real child abuse looks like and I certainly agree that child abuse should be prosecuted so I went into private practice doing general family law and at, you know I at first found that working with the uh, we call it DCS in Tennessee but <clears throat> since different states call it different things I'm going to refer to it as CPS child protection services so everybody kind of understands that lingo and I really started finding the first decade probably that I was in practice they really just weren't doing a very good job at all they were sloppy and and things were getting you know falling between the cracks but then in this last decade what I've seen is this hyper vigilance of removing children and I was having a really hard time understanding it until I really started digging down to the financial issues so governments around the country do have a responsibility to protect children in abusive situations. If a child is beaten or bloodied, certainly there is cause maybe for the, for the child to be removed. But what you're seeing is an opposite trend, that governments now for financial reasons have set up these programs and they're related to foster care and they're related to child protective services where the governments are heavy handed. They go in and remove the child not because they're in danger, but because the government is getting federal money to keep doing this. Yeah, unfortunately that's what I discovered. 
probably about 2007, 2008, I started talking to our legislators about what I saw these agencies doing and this hypervigilance and taking children and not getting children back placed in the home after providing certain services. And I just, I was just like scratching my head. I could not figure out what it was. And so about three or four years ago, I mean, I had some sense that there was some federal funding, but as I really started tearing apart the federal funding system, what you find is that we've been in this pattern for the last 40 years in which there's been increased amount of federal money going to these state agencies and that money is directed at removing children from homes, putting them in foster care, and then adopting them out to strangers. And this started in 1974 with what was called the Mondale Act or the CAPTA, Child Abuse and Prevent Child Abuse Prevention and a Treatment Act. And then there was layer after layer after layer of federal legislation. We get up to the fostering connections, the adoption and safe families, and this money, which, you know, you know, government often starts with a good intention. And then what happens is the results of that are bad. And that's exactly what happened here. So in the early 90s, in the 80s and 90s, there were children who were, were being removed in foster and put in foster care. And then they would just linger in foster care for years and never have permanency or be moved from one foster care home to another. And that was bad. I don't want to, I don't want to say that the old system was okay because that was bad. And then the 90s, there were several federal class action lawsuits that came up in which and in Tennessee, it was called the Brian A. case, and I think there was one, and there were they were happening in several states, in which these class actions were brought up for foster children that said there had to be permanency. And so then we started saying, okay, that the child could only be in foster care for, for 15 months or 15 out of 22 months, and then they would have to terminate their parental rights and put them in an adoptive home. Again, sounds like a great idea because everybody wants a child to have some type of permanent home. But then the federal federal government started rewarding, started giving bonus checks to children who were placed in adoptive, who were adopted out. So that started with a four to $6,000. It's up to a 10 to $12,000 per head. So basically they have put a price tag on every child's head that goes into the foster system. In addition to that, the state budgets depend upon this federal funding to be able to fund these agencies. And that federal money is based upon the number of children in foster care. Now, here's just stop a minute and think about this. They don't have money or they have very limited funds to preserve a family, to get a family treatment, to, to help a family. So we now have all of this money directed to removing children out of their homes. That's bad. I think you're onto something here. The goal should be to reunite children with their biological parents, if at all possible. We're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna ask Connie about a couple of lawsuits in Indiana and California where the government had to protect the parents' rights. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. How is your marriage doing? I wanna tell you about an exciting new four-part video DVD Bible study series on God's plan for marriage. In this video series, we team up with marriage and family ministry expert, 
Vince Dacchioli. There are a lot of things that get in the way of uh, our ability to have a healthy marriage, but with the way God intended it, He always wanted us to see His view of our relationship together. So everything we do when we talk about marriage, or whether we're talking to men, or whether we're talking to pastors and leaders, it all centers around this idea of vision. It's very important that we understand who God is and our relationship with Him is right in order for us to be able to live out really and truly Ephesians. And that also informs our role as men, how to love our wives. We can't really exactly. love them unless we understand the love of God. Exactly. So if you just think about love, you, we tend to think that love is an emotion. It's more uh, something that I feel, whereas the true definition of love, the way Jesus intended it, is, is not just an emotion, but it's, it's, a, it's charity, it's what I do. You know, to the degree that I am able to see my wife or my spouse through his eyes, that determines everything in my relationship. Yeah. And we go through the scriptures in four different parts. Part one is God's design for man and woman. Part two is godly roles for husband and wife. Three is sex and intimacy within godly marriage. And also God's plan for divorce. You wanna have this important four-part video series available for a suggested donation of $30 if you call our toll-free prayer line at 866-Obey-God. Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Or visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org you too can have a godly marriage. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Uh, welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. I'm joined again by Connie Reguli, family law attorney from Tennessee via Skype. Welcome back to the program. Hello, thank you. So Connie, you were telling me on the break about these two lawsuits where the government was caught with their hand in the cookie jar. The government as we suggested, went in there and frivolously removed children from their homes, and the parents sued to get the kids back. And in California, there was a, a legal finding, $4.9 million were awarded to the parents because the government improperly took away the children. Can you talk about that? Sure. The Fogarty case is a 2011 case, and that was brought by a brilliant attorney out in California, Sean McMillan. And he currently actually has a new class action case that he has started up generally for wrongful removal. But in, and this was a case in which the social workers removed the child without a court order or a warrant or exigent circumstances, which means emergency circumstances. And he was able to get a judgment for 4.9 million. Now, What's even bigger than that is this year in Indiana, an attorney in Indiana got a $31 million judgment. And that was a case where this couple had three children. And one of the children had a, um, had a serious medical condition. And it was a condition in which they had to give this child um, medicine that thinned her blood because she had heart issues and a pharmacist messed up her prescription the parents did not realize it and they had like tripled or quadrupled her dose of medication that was thinning her blood and the girl dropped dead one morning and she was like 13 years old oh well my. the they 
um, Child Protective Services immediately removed all the children. They claimed that the parents had killed uh, the daughter. They they got them arrested, and it goes. I mean, I've read the complaint. I, there's an attorney in Indiana who's provided that for me, and it's like a 95-page complaint of everything that they did to be able to support these findings, including getting the um, forensic pathologist who did who was studying this child to say that these parents had intentionally overdosed this child. Oh my God. So yeah, he got a $31 million judgment. That one just recently came down. So the parents were found innocent. They didn't kill their child. It was an accidental overdose because of a pharmacy error. And the children were eventually reunited with their parents and the parents on top of that got $31 million in damages? Yes, yes, exactly. Wow. <laughs> Well, that's an important case. You said there are, you have associations now with 13 family law attorneys or practices in 13 states. There seems to be a network of attorneys that are protecting parental rights. Well, unfortunately, we're a very loose network. What I have done is in looking up these cases, and, and I actually have a Facebook page, the uh, Family Forward Project also, that if people are involved in Facebook, they need to look up that Facebook page because on that page, we are posting every single news release that we can find. I mean, social workers getting arrested for, doc, you know, for lying, uh, for abusing children, I mean, for judgments, every single thing that we can find that's coming into the news, we are we are sifting into that Facebook page so that people can follow what is actually going on in the news. So as, as I'm looking through things that are occurring, um, I'm gathering uh, just the names of these attorneys who are actually taking these proactive steps to uh, defend parents and to try to bring the government to their knees. I mean, we're going to have to do that. One of the things that I'm getting ready to do here in Tennessee is I'm getting ready to file a class action suit here in Tennessee because there is a part of this process called the PERM plan or the permanency plan. And under federal law, the states are required to create a permanency plan that tells the parents exactly what they need to do to get their children back, such as drug abuse. Let's say somebody has an addiction. They, the parents should be able to know that if they get a certain amount of treatment, they can get, they can recover their children. Well, what's happening is the state in Tennessee is instead of really developing an individual plan for the parent, they're giving them a list of can-dos. So they make them do everything, a psyche eval, A&D assessment, make sure they have a full-time job, they're paying utilities. I mean, it just goes, get counseling, continue counseling, maintain a stable home. And so the parents, first of all, some of these parents are overwhelmed. You've got to remember that po poverty is not a crime in the United States, but in right. the child welfare system, poor children mean more money to the states. And so you have families that, you know, that have to rely upon other resources, such as extended family members, to be able to even maintain a home. But the states create such a burdensome uh, a litany of things that they have to do that parents just become overwhelmed and they just can't do it all. And, oh, this is so important to remember. If the state takes your child, you have to pay child support to the state while you're trying to hire an attorney and while you're trying to accomplish all these tasks to be able to even get your children back. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. There has been a case, and, and maybe you told me about it or somebody elsewhere, uh, a, a hardworking father 
was falling behind on his bills and they removed the child, not for failure to provide a safe home, but because the, chi the father only had a high school diploma. Oh, wow. Is a lack of education or you know poverty, it, where do you draw the line that where you can't say, well, the child's being abused just because their family is poor? Well, let, let me tell you something worse than that. Okay, I have a client right now I'm working with, love her to death, but she's very intellectually, has low abilities. Her mother took her out of school when she was in second grade, and so she has she's on disability. She likes to drink beer, but you know, she's not a drunk, but she was drinking some beer. The CPS worker comes to her house and the lady says, I'm not talking to you. My client says, I'm not talking to you. The CPS workers are being very aggravated and very persistent. My client walks out of the house, gets in her car and backs up and doesn't realize the CPS's car is behind her and, and hits her car. Oh, no. The CPS worker calls the police. My client goes in the house. The police comes, goes in the house, interviews my client and arrest my client for public intoxication in her own home, takes <laughs> her to jail so CPS can take her two children. Not oh, no. one allegation of harm to her children, but because she was arrested and there was no one to immediately care for the children, which there was, they lied about that, but because there was no one to immediately care for the children, they took those children. That was March 2014 and she does not have them back yet. Well, there is injustice in the world, but you are working to introduce legislation or talking to legislators around the country about this new family integrity bill. Talk about CPS, Child Protective Services, Family Integrity Bill of 2015. Yeah, and you know, and actually, if you, there are several layers of this, and if you look at some of these things, some of these things are actually, you think, well, of course, why wouldn't that be the case? Such as the families being provided all the records that CPS has. Often they don't do that. So, but here's a, here's a really critical thing. Every single parent should have the right let's say their child does need to be removed from their care for whatever reason CPS decides. Every single parent should have the right to place that child with a family member or a friend of their choosing so long as it's a safe environment and that would they would be able to stay in that location or with that person until we could get stabilize the home or whatever we needed to do. And it, we, we're kind of calling this a parent's advanced directive. In, in medical, in the medical world, um, there are advanced directives for, you know, let me die, don't keep me on life support. So this is a document which would have to be followed by the state, which would be an advanced directive of if I ever cannot care for my child, it will be placed with so-and-so. That's a great idea. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Connie's going to talk more about the traction she's getting in various states. Dr. Chaps will be right back with more PIJN News. Do you ever pray and sometimes you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and they don't get to God or maybe you don't get the result that you hoped for? I'm Dr. Chaps and I want to make available to you a new resource, a four-part video Bible teaching series on how to pray effective prayers. Did you know God has given us instructions in the Bible? For example, in 1 Timothy 2, there are four different Greek words for four different kinds of prayers, supplication, petition, intercession, and thanksgiving. If you don't understand the way God teaches us to pray, then we cannot expect the result for which we hope. I'm asking you to get this important Bible video teaching series on DVD 
for a suggested donation of only $30. Call us right now at 866-Obey-God. Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Or visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, and get this important video resource for your family. Call us right now. Do you ever wonder how to discern your own thoughts from the thoughts that come to you from the Holy Spirit, or angels, or invisible demons? I'm Dr. Chaps, and you've seen us talk about the gift of discerning of spirits. In fact, I wrote my PhD dissertation, How to See the Holy Spirit, Angels and Demons. But now, we have an exciting 17-part video Bible study on a four-disc DVD set that you can get for your small group or your church. If you just visit PrayInJesusName.org and offer a suggested donation of $99. Or call us toll-free at 866-Obey-God. Get this 17-part video series, and for a limited time only, we'll throw in the book for free. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Get this important Bible study series for you and your church. Or call us at 866-Obey-God right now. Stay tuned for the end of our show to learn how to partner with this ministry. Here's Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps. One more segment with Connie Wrigley. Connie, I wanna personally thank you for your hard work defending parental rights. I was adopted when I was three years old. This is important to me. Uh, my birth mother, who I don't know, uh, gave me up after three years because she, for whatever reason, maybe financially or otherwise, decided that I would be better off with a permanent family. And I think I might've been in foster care for about four months of my life or some similar program. Uh, but there was a permanent solution, and, and I'm so thankful to my adoptive parents who took me in at age three and raised me uh, until I joined the military at age 18. Talk for a moment about how do you protect adoptive parents, and, and how do you find permanency without depriving the biological parents if, if they don't want to lose their children? Well, I Thank you for sharing that. And I will also share, it's important that people know that I'm not against adoption. I am an adoptive parent. I have three children that I adopted from Russia when they were five years old. I got twin girls when they were five back in 1996. And I went back and I got my son in 2000. They are now young adults. We have a very close relationship. I mean, they are all my children. There is no question about it. So, you know, adoption is a wonderful thing. It's, it's a needed, it's, uh, it's something that it's families are blessed by that, but it's really important that we also understand that in here in America, we have a constitutional right to parent. It has been, it has gone all the way up to the Supreme Court. There is no doubt about it. It is a constitutionally protected right. And in most states, including Tennessee, the public policy of the state is reunification with a family. So uh, adoption is blessed. Let's not ever forget how important that is. And loving families go out and bring children into their home. But the right to parent has to be protected. So when you look at this problem, we need to break this problem down into, into how we have to approach it. This is a state agency. CPS is a state agency. So it is controlled by the executive branch of your government. That means that the commissioner 
is appointed by the governor. So we have one part of this, which is an executive branch issue. The second part of it is a legislative issue, which I've already talked about a little bit. The legislature, of course, gets to put laws in. As a matter of fact, the legislature created this department, so they have a certain amount of control over what they can change the laws as to what this department does. They also have the obligation of the budget, the state budget. So therefore, when the state is looking at a problem like this, they also have to look at what is the money that is available to us and what can we do. And then, of course, the third branch of government is the judicial. And in the judicial branch of government, we have the rulings of the court that are terminating parents' rights and finding parents dependent neglect and removing their right to parent. So we have to break down how do we handle each of those branches of government. So as a lawyer, of course, I'm always looking at ways to make certain challenges within the judicial branch. And, you know, I get a lot of traction on that. I'm very successful with my clients. I know how to attack these problems from a constitutional issue and from a pure legal standpoint. We have to look at our legislators and we have to say this money, this money that is coming from the federal government, you have legislators in every single state have the ability to go to our federal government and say we need these funds redefined. There are unlimited funds for foster care. There are limited funds for family preservation and family reunification. So we have to rebalance those funds and say that we've got to rebalance what we're doing. I mean, there is so much money out there. On any given day of the year, there are 400,000 children in foster care in the United States. So in the law right now, you're saying that the priority is on basically unlimited funds for taking children away from their parents, but there's limited funds for reunifying or preserving the original family unit, and that ought to be reversed. That the Absolutely. priority ought to be on putting maybe unlimited funds for preserving the family unit and maybe limit the funds that are given to taking children away. Or just some balance. It just needs balance. You know, in every system, when something goes, is seems to be going, the pendulum seems to be going too far, you need an antagonistic force, right? You need a force that pulls it the other way. So there needs to be a balance of these forces of taking children and putting them in a safe place when need be, but then restoring that family. So I'm not saying tip the scale totally the other way because I think whenever you, if you're going to do that, you're going to end up with a problem as well. But you've got to have that antagonistic force. So let me tell you another thing that I, I think is a problem and we need to address it. We have just These, about one minute left and I want you to be able to mention your website and all that. So go ahead and wrap up. Okay. Well, I do want to say that in every state, we need to look at these private agencies that are providing services. They're not only doing foster care, but they're doing family services, which is a direct conflict of interest. So I want people to look at this problem from a global issue. They can, they can find me through my website, 
T-E-N-N, familylaw.com, 10familylaw.com. They can find me. You can type in Connie Reguli, R-E-G-U-L-I, into Google, and you'll get 50,000 hits anyway. <laughs> you can also find me on Facebook. We have a private group on Facebook called Innocent Families, and the reason it's private is because people share their personal stories, and we don't want them to be attacked. If you have a personal story, you need to find me on Facebook and get into our, our private groups. We have Wonderful. a public group called Family Forward Project. Hook into that so you can start to see what the real problem is. There it is. Our guest has been Connie Reguli, family attorney from Tennessee. We're out of time, but I discern upon her the Spirit of God. If you need prayer, call us at 866-Obey-God or visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. We'll see you next time. Chaplain Klingenschmidt is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy who earned his Ph.D. in theology from Regent University. As a former Navy chaplain, by taking a public stand for freedom of speech and religious expression, and by sacrificing his own 16-year career and million-dollar pension, he was vindicated by the U.S. Congress, who changed the law and restored freedom for military chaplains to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps not only defended the Constitution, but his petitions have helped change the law in 10 states, restoring freedom to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.